You are now listening to Men of March, presented by StudentUnionSports.com. And welcome back to the Men of March podcast here on Student Union Sports. Uh, we're, we're here to recap an awesome Saturday and just whole week of college basketball. I'm here with my co-host, Nate Marcus. Nate, how are you doing today? Not too bad. Uh, enjoyed an awesome day of college basketball, football yesterday. You know, Baylor losing twice in this week was just something that none of us, I feel like, could have predicted. The game at home against Texas Tech was something because we saw Texas Tech beat Kansas the other day. They've been playing really well under Mark Adams, but to come out at home and lay an egg yesterday against Oklahoma State was something I was not expecting at all. Yeah, and Baylor was, I think, a 12-and-a-half-point favorite against Texas Tech, and then they were, like, 15 against the Cowboys yesterday. But, yeah, it really opens the door, not just losing once, but losing twice um, where they were unbeaten coming into this week. And now we kind of have to bait, like, who's the number one team in the country? Uh, that'll be on the AP poll on Monday. I think that Auburn should be the number one team in the country. I think they have the best combination of resume, talent, and just their winning, winning streak in general. They've I beaten know. top 100 Ken Palm teams already this season. That feels like it should be the most in the country. Undefeated in conference play. Haven't, lost, haven't not covered a game since the slew game when they played at St. Louis, Jan- December 18th. I think Gonzaga has a reasonable case too. Obviously came in preseason number one. After that long COVID pause, they just looked dominant in the last three games against Pepperdine, BYU, and Santa Clara, scoring 110 plus points in regulation in three straight college games. It's just ridiculous. But right now I think Auburn has a deserving claim to be the number one team in the country. Yeah, I certainly think you can make that argument for sure. Their last loss was a fluky loss at that, that that crazy triple overtime game against UConn. And they have a, like you said, nine top 100 wins. And they have probably have the best player in the country in Jabari Smith. So you have all that going for them. And I think they will make that claim. They get to have a game that we'll preview before or later on in the week. Uh, they host Kentucky at home next week, so that should be an interesting one. I think the way the Zags have been playing, they just kind of look the part as well. So either one of those teams, I feel, will be at the number one in the AP Top 25 poll. But let's go on and talk about the performance with Kentucky, their biggest uh, regular season output at Rupp and about a decade they score uh, over a hundred on a Tennessee team that was supposed to be one of the best teams defensively in the SEC they put up 107 Savar Wheeler came back just rejuvenated that offense Ty Ty Washington at 28 points on 13 shots shot 10 of 13 from the field Savar Wheeler had 21 shot 8 of 10 from the field Kentucky shot 67% from the field and 61% from three, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, Yeah, what do you think of the Wildcats? Uh, Yeah, you said Tennessee was one of the best defenses in the SEC. They were ranked second in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency metric coming into yesterday. Now they're fifth. 
Kentucky scoring 107 points against them in regulation is just wild. And if you would have said that that happened and Oscar Shibway only scored nine points, I'd be like, that that didn't happen. You're wrong. But like you said, like Kashibwe scored 28 and 30 in their last two games. But like you said, Severe Wheeler coming back was huge for their offense. 21 points, eight assists. Kellen Grady still finding his form at Kentucky, 16 points on eight shots. I mean, the machine looked well-oiled yesterday for Coach Cal. Yeah, and you kind of know he takes a little while to get things going. And this Kentucky team is just as dangerous as anyone. I agree with that. I mean, when they're when they're going, they have the front court presence with Shibwe. Keon Brooks has been solid this season and kind of a lesser role. Jacob Toppin's been really good off the bench lately for them. And then they have that stellar backcourt with Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington and Davion Mintz coming off the bench. And if Kevin Grady's hitting that hitting shots like he has his whole career, then the spacing on that on the offensive end is just wide open. And Kentucky's a real dangerous team. Yeah, and you guys, you have like. Eight or eight and nine guys off the bench, or or Dante Allen, who's a really good three point shooter. They have um, this guy's just waiting to to play like four star recruits. Bryce Hopkins is a guy that just plays off the bench, you know, doesn't get it really anytime. Same with like Damian Collins, who played like three minutes, and he he had to get into the game. It had to be a thirty point game for him to even get into the game. And guys like Davion Mintz, who was a starter last year coming off the bench, off the bench is really big for the Wildcats. So, And they're yeah. still doing this all without C.J. Frederick. And I'm not sure if he's going to come the Iowa transfer sharpshooter. I'm not sure if he's going to come back. But if he does, that just adds another off-the-bench piece that scares def- the hell out of defenses, given his, I think, career 47% and three-point percentage. And he's a guy that can guard multiple positions, too. Frederick, kind of. Yeah. Um, now going back uh, to a game that we saw on Saturday, we had a couple pretty good games in the Big East. Marquette, Seton Hall was another team that dropped two in a row. They on the road though, so we may have given credit for that. They lost at DePaul, then lost what was uh controversial last second call at the buzzer where Bryce Aiken fouled um it was shooting guard Elliot yeah Greg Elliot at the three Marquette was able to get a home win Tizen Hall dropping two row games at, at the Paul at Marquette where do we think of the Pirates I think the Pirates are fine. I think that they were a little overrated uh, coming into Big East play just off their wins that they had in non-conference play. I mean, beating Michigan on the road is a nice win, but we've seen Michigan at this point. They are who they are. They're a bubble team right now at best. And then they beat Texas at home in a close game. Again, nice win. Texas still hasn't proven anything really with a major uh, moving the needle win. And then home against UConn, again, good win but it's a home court win against a UConn team that has been depleted by injuries the whole season. So I think they're sort of regressing to the mean. They'll be dropping out of the AP poll this week, but as good as the Big East is and as talented as the roster is with guys like Bryce Aiken, who's really coming into form after having so many years of being injured, 
Kadari Richmond's good. Jared Roden's a really good player. Uh, with all those guys still together, I think that they'll be fine. I think that they're just destined to have like a 22 and eight season where they pull off a couple of big Big East wins and get a seven seed in the tournament. I think that's just going to be what Kevin Willard has this year. Then we'll go back to our West, our favorite topic. West Shouts, sorry, one more thing. Shouts to Marquette though. Uh, after that strong start, they kind of, they've been yo-yo in this season. After their strong start, they lost six of eight and now have won four in a row in the Big East. Three of them have come at home and a couple of them have come against DePaul and Georgetown, but we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, slaughtered Providence and then getting a home win over Seton Hall is a nice result before they go to Villanova on Wednesday. That should be a good one. Shaka Smart doing things over in Milwaukee, but we'll go down the West Coast hoops. The big story there, the Oregon Ducks, as Dana Altman figure it out, Oregon sweeps UCLA and USC, beat UCLA in overtime on Thursday in what was a very exciting game. Um, Hawkins missed a couple of free throws to tie it, but Jacob Young was probably had his best game as a duck score in 23. And then really dominated USC and USC dropping after as similar to Baylor after being undefeated going into this week, loses a game on the road, but with no crowd against Stanford in what was my game of the year. Shout out that we 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 hit that one. But then Oregon beats USC by 10. And then it was the Will Richardson show scoring 28 points on 9 of 15 shooting. And Davion Harmon is are the Ducks chemistry, are they starting to figure it out? Like we kind of said in the beginning beginning of the year, they have a lot of talented pieces, but a lot all those pieces really haven't played together yet. They're all, a lot of them are transfers coming from different places. Is Dana Altman really – can the Ducks be a dangerous team the rest of the year? The Ducks can absolutely be a dangerous team. As hard as they tried to give away that game on Thursday at UCLA, at the end they blew a six-point lead, I think, with 35 seconds left. It was hilarious to watch. But they regrouped in overtime, got a huge win. Uh, like you said, dominated USC start to finish. They have so many left-handed guards up there in Eugene. And you notice that when you watch them? Yeah, well like – they're, they're, they're all left-handed. They are. Yeah. So I think that's the, but yeah, like you said, with the transfers, I think they're really starting to gel and Dana Altman shown before that he doesn't usually get as to as rough of a start as he did this season, but he's shown that his teams definitely improve as the season goes on. That's four in a row in the PAC 12 plan. Now Utah, Oregon state, UCLA and USC. And then they get four coming up against Washington state, Washington, Colorado, and Oregon state all at home. Not exactly the cream of the crop in the Pac-12. So in two weeks, they could easily be looking up and be eight and two in the league and 14 and six overall. And at that point, with a couple of the wins that they grabbed this week, I think you have to squarely put them in the NCAA tournament picture with a chance to really boost their seating as they get into their tougher stretch of the schedule in February. Yeah, exactly. And we're kind of leaving the Ducks kind of for dead back in November. You know, they had... They lose to Arizona State to really begin the begin the conference play in overtime at home and lose to Stanford. So they started the conference play 0-2, but they have that that BYU kill them, St. Mary's dominate them, and Houston has kind of wrecked them too. But those are, are against all three teams that probably will be in the NCAA tournament. So 
Yeah, Oregon's they, resume. They, they need no like the one thing I'll say is they need no bad. They can't take a bad loss again. I don't think like that loss to Stanford, Arizona State is really just not looking great. It's just hor- aging horribly. Arizona State is awful. Yeah, and then going back to we'll kind of transition transition to kind of our mid major uh, minute here. So, big game in. So, out of the, all the games that shaped out, how has your mid-major top 10 changed? Or want to? I think that I thought that I was going to have to make a big change at the top or near the top when San Francisco was up big against BYU. But BYU, the fighting Alex Barcelos showed a lot of fight last night. They were down by as much as 10 on the road at San Francisco and came back and won. 71-69, big-time W for the Cougars, especially after bouncing back after getting their doors blown off by Gonzaga. Barcelo, 18 points, seven rebounds, three assists, just what we expect of him. And they had a really nice win over San Francisco. Uh, I was vindicated to a degree, I feel like. I think that if you looked at most mid-major polls, they had Murray State in over Belmont, or Belmont in over Murray State. And the racers just went into Nashville and waxed Belmont yesterday. 82 to 60. They'll be getting a big bump. Tevin Brown and Juice Hill in the backcourt for the Racers are awesome. They have a legitimate front court presence in KJ Williams, who's a really good college basketball player. And that just sets up Murray State to maybe be undefeated heading in conference play into their final game or second to last game of league, of OBC play against Belmont February 24th. And if that is the only game they lose, and then they lose in the OBC tournament to Belmont in the championship. I, it's going to be hard not to give Murray State in that large bid with how weak the bubble is this year. They're yeah. a really good basketball team. And a team that really impressed me was actually on Friday, Davidson. They're on a 12-game winning, winning streak. I thought that spot against Richmond was a really good spot for the Spiders, and they came into like a hostile environment. Uh, game went back and forth, but they are able to get that win on the road. So... Shout out to the Davidson Wildcats there. Um, VCU, a team that I was pretty high on, got absolutely obliterated. No, Alina North against the Bonnies. Are the Bonnies back? The Bonnies might be back. Uh, Mark Schmidt's trying to kill, like not kill, that's a bad word. Cut that out. Uh, Mark Schmidt's trying to ruin his players' future by playing them 45 minutes a night. Did you see that box score against LaSalle from Tuesday? Yeah, they, they came back. <laughs> I think they were trailing LaSalle by, I think it might have been nine with less than 10 to play. And then they came back, forced overtime and won. But yeah, they didn't play a single bench guy, though. The bench played a combined three minutes in over in an overtime game. What is that? <laughs> that's, that's absolutely wild to me. But good on the Bonnies. Uh, team we had really high expectations for coming into the season. VCU is not a win that moves the needle as I don't think as far as like the at-large picture goes, but in conference play, given how they had been playing, uh, that's a really nice win for them. Yeah, I think for me, so like Murray State's a big mover for me. So they kind of move into the bottom half of my top 10. VCU goes out, but everything to same. or Davidson was a big mover too. So I have Zags, Loyola, BYU, San Francisco, Davidson, San Diego State, Colorado State. Ohio, Murray State, and I entered New Mexico, New Mexico State as well. They 
had a a pretty dominating week. And another mid-major team that really should be on our way on our radar is the Grand Canyon Antelopes, Nate. My your my alma mater. Joy, my alma mater. Did you see them on ESPNU? I did not. <laughs> I did not see them play Tarleton State on ESPNU. I regret to inform. But oh, they looked really good. The Havocs were bouncing. Scored eighty points on a pretty tough defense. Uh, one by twenty-one, and then absolutely obliterated Abilene Christian, who was the number one graded defense per Ken Palm in the conference. 95 to 68. This is the best Lopes offense that I've really seen. A team that's always been historic, good, his good defensively, but have struggled on the offensive end. And with uh, Yvonne Blackshin, Holland Woods, and then stretch four Gabe McLaughlin, and then former four star recruit Tishon Cherry coming off the bench of all things. I think the Lope just that battle between New Mexico State and Grand Canyon and the WAC is going to be one of the better mid-major conference uh, rivalry matchups moving forward we have to pay attention to. New Mexico State hasn't lost in a long time. No, they haven't lost at all. If they didn't lose to New Mexico, like they probably would have an at-large chance too. They'd be 16-1 and one with no bad losses and their only loss on a neutral court to Utah State. That sucks. They still and the way Davidson's playing, you know. I mean, that's that, it. That that wins aging like fine wine for sure. They might. They still might have a chance if they if they run the table. Yeah, San Francisco's got that win over Davidson too. Uh, the West Coast Conference is so good this year. I love it so much. Those top four teams, like Gonzaga's Gonzaga. I mean, I'm sure out of the, they'll play six games against the rest of the top four. I think one of those games will come down to the wire sort of like five, six point uh, margin of victory. But those other games between San Francisco, BYU, and St. Mary's are just going to be wonderful to watch besides the BYU-St. Mary's game. That was disgusting basketball. But last night was great. That 10 o'clock tip-off in the Midwest was awesome. Then, so we kind of got into there. We missed one big result in the... SEC. Oh, I claimed the other day we missed a couple big results in the SEC. I claimed last week that Arkansas was bad. Arkansas might not be bad. They said that I said that, and then they went and took it out on my school. They had Missouri uh, down 49-15 at the half. Some of the worst basketball I've ever seen the Tigers play. And then they came out on Saturday and went to Baton Rouge and Xavier Pinson list LSU nonetheless, but they beat the Tigers 65 58 big win for Mus for without muscle men on the sidelines has he had surgery for his torn rotator cuff that he suffered in practice, I believe. So that's a big win for the Razorbacks. JD Note still looks like one of the best players in the SEC. He's awesome. 19 points yesterday on seven of 13 shooting. Jalen Williams looked really good in the middle. Austin, what do you think of the Razorbacks? Yeah, I, I watched that last fun fact. The Razorbacks were plus 800. On the money line? Six with six minutes ago. Oh. And I put a put not like a lot, just put a little bit. I'm going to watch the game. Little just a little sprinkle, little sprinkle. And the way they just kind of – like a lot of their offense comes from their defense. But when they're playing really good defensively, defensively they're dangerous because they're probably the best team in transition in the conference. They look, they like their guards are so good. Like 
Note and Devo are just ridiculous, ridiculous guards. I love watching them play. And just their upside really high. Like you said, Devo Davis and Note. And they're starting – the guys that are coming off the bench are starting to contribute, and they're starting to get a little bit of flow. Um, I think who, who gave them a bunch of points on Saturday? Um, it was – I would use Tony started for the first time in a couple weeks, I believe. He had 12 points in 39 minutes. Chris Likes gave them a nice – he didn't shoot the ball well, but Chris Likes is kind of that spark plug. I think he's 5'7", transfer from Miami. Gives them a nice little spark plug. Oh, yeah, Tony did start. I thought he came off the bench, no, but he Tony did start. start. Tony's been start, been on the bench the last couple weeks, but he did start for the first time in a while yesterday. Yeah, he did start. And then they're, they're, they are moving. Uh, Davis is coming off the bench now, which is interesting. But he it worked still yesterday. Yeah, he still played 33 minutes, though. But they held LSU to 38% from the floor, 26% from three. And it's really interesting with LSU – because really their offense that we don't really know what, what we're going to get from, where in the past it's always been, can they defend? And so their upside is really, can Darius Days just kind of be that? Darius Days went one for eight and 0 for three from three on Saturday and was just really bad offensively overall. I think he had a couple turnovers. Brandon Murray had only two points and three turnovers. And it was really Eric Gaines and Tyree Eason that were that were um, providing the offense for for LSU. Also, shout out to Sharif O'Neal. He got some playing time. I saw that. Jackson. <laughs> yeah, Jackson. Uh, I didn't think he, I wasn't really sure if he was still on the team or not, but he uh, got some got some. It was his only his second appearance in the SEC game in his LSU Tiger career. So, wow, that's a nice little nugget thrown out there. Uh, for, really impressive win for Arkansas, considering that like, I hadn't looked at. I just knew that LSU was number one in defensive efficiency. I didn't looked at the actual rankings. LSU, the separation between one and two in effect in adjusted efficiency is the same as two through twenty one. So LSU is five points better per 100 processions on the defensive end than any other team in the country. Uh, that's just like, I know they lost yesterday, but for a Will Wade team that we, like you said, come to know as offense, 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 that is one of the wildest stats I've seen. And we'll move over to Alabama. You know, one, yeah, one result we didn't get to in the mid-major ranks, Chattanooga beat Furman and what is a big game in competitive SoCon conference, so. Watch out for the, the mocks. No David Jean Baptiste in this one, in that one. That's a really good win for the mocks. Starting guard, him and uh, Malachi Smith form a really good uh, backcourt duo. Without Jean Baptiste, uh, Smith, 21 points, nine rebounds. Silvio D'Souza. Did you ever think we were going to hear his name again after what happened to Kansas? I didn't think so. But, you know, if you're He's talented, a nice like, the depth of the college, but there's a lot of people in the college basketball world that have done a lot things more morally wrong, and they're still coaching or coaching in the game today. So I'm not really that surprised. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's having himself a nice little super senior season with uh, the mock over there. So let's move forward to the week ahead. The game I really want to open up and touch on Illinois hosting. 
the Purdue Boilermakers. We get a front court matchup, Kofi Cockburn versus Travion Williams and Zach Eady. We love to see it. Um, where are we where are we going here? Uh, I, Illinois has been playing really well. Uh, even without Curbelo, their backward has really figured it out with Trent Fazier. Alfonso Plummer has been much better coming over from Utah than I ever could have thought that he was going to be. Purdue's just better. I think Jaden Ivey's the best backcourt player. And I think Kofi is going to get limited enough by Zach Eady and Travion Williams to where Jaden Ivey's the difference in this game. Right now, Ken Palm has it as a two-point victory for Illinois. Uh, if the money line is anything similar, plus 110, plus 115, I'd probably throw a sprinkle on uh, the Boilermakers. Really? Yeah. I like, okay. I, 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 I like Purdue. I like Purdue. Uh, more than just long term too i kind of like to do more and you know, like with those two bigs you know kofi could get in foul trouble and brad underwood i think it was the i think it was the maryland game brad underwood had like kofi came out and scored i think he had like 10 and 5 after the first nine minutes and got two fouls and brad underwood set him the rest of the half and if that happens again I don't think Illinois is going to be able to recover in a seven or eight minute stretch without Kofi. That I think Purdue is too good of a team for that. That's true. And Omar Payne hasn't really the Florida transfer hasn't really done much for him. Um, and we don't know what's going to, if they can get Corbello back, which I'm not sure how much he adds. We'll see. It's also an 11 AM central start time on Monday. And I know it's a holiday. It's Martin Luther King junior day and there will be no school that day but yeah really weird 9 a.m 11 uh 11 o'clock start on monday so if you do have work that day get college basketball game to play on your phone on your cubicle is that what you're going to be doing probably um next is we got we got a pretty loaded slate for uh tuesday tuesday yeah, that, that's really the only big game of note tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have Monday night wild card football, and we're going to have uh, some nice NBA action tomorrow. So college basketball is kind of on the down low. But a lot of big games. We can – if Baylor gets a rebound on the road against West Virginia, always dangerous playing the Mountaineers, but they're playing them during the day and not at night. I think Baylor bounce back, bounces back, takes care of business there. I think a mid-major game that we really want to talk about is Iona going at Monmouth. Uh, Iona's been kind of run, not exactly running through the MAC with two A's. They are trail they trailed Fairfield last Tuesday by nine with ten minutes of playing, came back and won, and then comfortably beat Manhattan, but they didn't cover. Um, I think they play. Niagara today, or we're recording on Sunday, so they'll play Niagara on Sunday. But now they travel to the second best team in the conference, the Monmouth, and we'll kind of see where I, how much better Iona is than the rest of the conference. Where I haven't, let me look at that game on Ken Palm. Uh, Ken Palm has it as a two point victory for Monmouth. It is the only game that Iona is predicted to lose the rest of the season. That is interesting. So where we think, uh, where do you think of the Gales? I'm going to be honest. I have not seen any of Monmouth this season, but 
I think the Gales are just so much more talented than anyone else in that league. They have the best coach. They have the best roster. And, like, losing a game, like, away at Monmouth is probably the most excusable loss among the conference, but I don't see it happening. I think Patino is too good, like you said, against Iona, like, against uh, Fairfield. They were down nine, and I got to see the end of that one, and Fairfield just, like, shriveled up. Like, it was just, like, what happened to the basketball team that they were playing against. Like, and I feel like that's going to be sort of a common theme in the MAAC. Yeah. Monmouth, they do have somebody to throw out Nellie Jr. Joseph Walker Miller. Uh, he's a 6'11 center for Monmouth. He's, he's really a, a guy who's more of a defensive defensive big rather than scoring scoring big but he can really he can, now he can score as well um had 20 he's had double digits in his last four games so that should be a really match to watch next we'll go down to uh what's which other game you want to talk about on tuesday uh there's some really good a10 action davidson goes to vcu vcu looking to bounce back after that beat down at uh, St. Bonaventure on Friday. And then St. Bonaventure goes to Dayton. Dayton got a really good win over St. Louis last Tuesday. Tuesday's just a nice day for the A-10. Uh, Dayton's won three in a row, three and one in conference play now. Their only loss in the A-10 play is on a buzz, Ace Baldwin buzzer beater against VCU. Looking to really keep some momentum going for the Flyers there. They're not in the at-large picture. Still those three bad losses they suffered back in November are just weighing that resume down. But if they can keep stacking up wins in the league, they'll with that Kansas win that's still looking real nice, they'll definitely be in some sort of picture. I'm not sure if they'll ever get in, but they'll always just be right there as long as they keep winning. Exactly. And another game, probably the bubble game of the Big Ten, Maryland going at Michigan. Uh, Maryland, they got their first conference win against Northwestern on Wednesday where they had to go to double overtime. And then follow it up with a loss at home against Rutgers. They go at Michigan. Is this? Are we getting to the point where Maryland is? If American Maryland, this is we're in must-win territory for the Maryland Terps. Maryland has been in must-win territory for a while. They're uh, they're nine and eight. They have losses to George Mason, Louisville, which is not great. Just got beat down at home by Rutgers, which is a nice one for the Scarlet Knights. But Maryland just one and five in the Big Ten. They need to sweep this week against Michigan and against Illinois. If they do that, then they're like sort of back-ish. We see them. But uh, I don't think that the Terrapins are going to be there. Yeah, they're eight-point underdog on Ken Palm. And Michigan really on a, on a big slide. You know, they lost at UCF on the road lost at Rutgers on the road, and lost at Illinois in a conv- in convincing fashion on Friday. And Michigan, so is, the first- Michigan is like uh, – like we just kept talking about them, I feel like, as a team that was like, okay, they're going to right the ship. They're going to right the ship. They're going to right the ship. And they just have never, like, done it. It's crazy. And I think they were favored against Arizona when they played in November, which looking back at it, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they lost to Arizona, but, yeah, 
that Michigan is just, I can't believe how much they've fallen off. It was just like something that you just like could not have seen. Yeah. And, and, the, and the guys they have, like um, Musa Diabate, Hunter Dickinson, Caleb Houston, like transfer Devontae Jones, who was supposed to be one of the best transfers in all the sport coming to the Wolverines. And it hasn't really, success hasn't really come to fruition yet. I was really excited to watch that game on Friday night. Like once I found out Dickinson was out, uh, I thought like I've like Musa Diabate, like you watch him like one time and if he plays well, it's like, oh, wow. Like it's just like you just instantly see the next level capability. He's still pretty raw. I don't think he's been playing basketball very long, but his athletic ability just pops right off the screen at 6'11". And he's got a nice little jump shot. The first time I saw him play was against UNLV and he was awesome in that game. So without Dickinson, I was really excited to watch him play. But, you know, foul trouble, four fouls, just 19 minutes. He got kind of worked by Kofi, which no shame in that. But that was just kind of uh, disappointing personally to watch him not play as well. And we have Florida State kind of coming back in the who's just we have to kind of decide like who's gonna be that second best team in the ACC. Notre Dame won their last two, Florida State home win versus Miami, win against um Louisville. They lost the Wake Forest, but got a big road win against Syracuse. They host Duke. Uh where do we see the Seminoles as far as the ACC hierarchy and their NCAA tournament chances? Uh, Florida State is a just like sort of normal, less talented veteran Hamilton team. They're long, they're athletic. They struggle to shoot the ball, which is obviously not great. Their defensive rebounding is just not good. They're 245th in the country in percentage of offensive rebounds allowed. That's not great. They're making 35% of threes. They're just a kind of an okay team, I think. Three in a row, though, beating Louisville beating Miami, kind of slowing their hot streak, and then going at Syracuse and winning is not bad. If they can get this Duke win, I feel like this is just every ACC team, like except like the bottom five, because the ACC is awful this season, but most of the teams aren't awful enough to just completely write off this, like the ship. So if they can get this win at home against Duke, it's like, okay, I guess we have to start paying attention to Florida State again. Yeah, and that's fair. And then Another game on Tuesday on the radar is another A-10 game. We're going to see if the, the Bonnies are back. Um, they're going on the road against Dayton. Tough place to play. I think Dayton's actually a pretty big favorite on Ken Palm, actually. Oh, no, not really. They're a two-point favorite on Ken Palm. I think that game's probably going to close one and a half two maybe Dayton might be a, even an underdog at home at one point probably a must must win for the Bonnies here um absolutely like every game that they like it's not every game I guess but just like every time they get a chance on the road against a top 100 opponent it's like they need to win to get back to that picture of the NCAA tournament so yeah this is kind of do or die territory for St. Bonaventure um I really like how Kyle Lofton and Jaron Holmes have been playing recently. And it's just kind of like they're starting five. And then they play Quincy Adams, the French freshman Quadri Adams, a little bit. And they have a, they have a, a big to substitute when Usan, uh, Us, I can't 
can never pronounce Osini Osini I think <laughs> every every broadcast pronounces his name different that's why it was so nice when they played I think they played at the it wasn't Myrtle Beach it was one of the MTEs and it was the same broadcast team and it was like okay if this is how you say it or at least they pronounce it the same way three times three games in a row instead of just different broadcasters broadcast like saying his name differently it just annoys me yeah, Sunni, it's a big win, big game for St. Bonaventure. Uh, low-key game in the Mountain West, if we're talking mid-majors. Orlando Robinson might be the most unappreciated player in the mid-major ranks for Fresno State. Uh, the seven-foot center for the Bulldogs, who's averaging 18 and 8. And he'll go against uh, Mountain West legend Justin Bean, who two guys who could be battling for player of the year here. Yeah, Justin Bean is great. Uh, watching him play David Roddy the other night, I told you about Colorado State that they would win that game and cover. Um, I, I liked that pick. I think I they covered, right? I thought they covered, my, like, my guy. I thought it was four and a half. No, it was five and a half. Oh, well, shit. But, didn't, bet on, didn't bet on it. But So I guess I can't throw an I told you so. But they won. Uh, Utah State's been sliding a little bit. Fresno State ranks really good, really well for a Mountain West team in Ken Palm. I think Orlando Robinson's going to dominate this game. He's a really fun player to watch. Can shoot the ball a little bit, block shots really well. I, I'm definitely excited to see that individual matchup. Then the game that I don't know how we really missed in such on Texas Tech, Iowa State. Are the Red it, Raiders going to keep rolling everyone? That's, so well, they lost, well, they lost to Kansas State yesterday. Oh, they did. Yeah, well, three ga- wow, they had a whack week. Three games in five days, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I don't know if I've ever uh, seen that before. But, oh, especially this part of the season. Okay, I yeah, I want to be a spot for Kansas State. Yeah, because Baylor they beat Baylor, beat Oklahoma State at home, and then they went on the road and lost to Kansas State. Uh, good win for the Wildcats. I think Mark Weber's st- – yeah, Bruce Weber is still the coach there. Uh, Texas Tech, they'd like that win against Iowa State. The first time they played, it was one of those games that was just a disrespectful occasion to basketball. Neither team could make a shot. It ended 51-47 in a Cyclone victory. Iowa State is really, really good. Uh, they beat Texas yesterday, and seventy-nine to seventy. And Isaiah Brockington, who's been definitely, I think, without a doubt, the biggest impact transfer in the Big Twelve from Penn State, averaging like seventeen points and eight rebounds. He only scored seven points yesterday. Uh, Gabe Kausher, sharpshooter from Minnesota, scored twenty-two. Tyrese Hunter, freshman guard, has been really good this season. I think Texas Tech is going to win that game, but Iowa State deserves all the love we can give them, given that they were 2-20 and 20 last year, and this year are 14-3 and three with quality wins up and down the board and not a bad loss anywhere. Exactly. And moving forward, we'll move forward to Wednesday. Um, Seton Hall, Providence got uh, suspended. Kind of pretty heartbreaking. Or Providence, is Providence has had like three games in a row lost, right, from COVID? Yep. They're still on COVID like pause. And then a team that we might have to pay attention to, a SEC game, 530 East or Central Time, Florida hosting Mississippi State. Florida team didn't win at home against LSU earlier in the week, bounced back on the road against South Carolina. Mississippi State getting a big home win against Alabama. They beat Georgia, had a bad loss at Mississippi State last Saturday. They don't really have Alabama with their biggest win of the season to date. Um, ben Howland trying to get 
manufacture his second tournament team. Their resume is going to be really interesting come tournament time, but I feel like this is the road game day. Uh, both teams need this one for sure. I, I agree with you there. Mississippi State just had a weird non-conference schedule where they just beat everyone they were kind of supposed to, or I guess lost to Louisville on a neutral and home to Minnesota. That, that, that loss to Ole Miss was something I wasn't expecting. But last week played really well, blew out Georgia, which they should. Beat Alabama at home, which was a really nice win. Mississippi State had a lot of buzz coming into the season. I think they, I think they received some votes in the top 25. People were really excited about them getting Garrison Brooks, DJ Jeffries, and Rocket Watts in the transfer portal. And those were just like really nice pickups for them. Iverson Molinar, though, has just been the best player on that team and is frankly one of the most underrated guards in the country. He was unbelievable yesterday. I think he had 24 points. 24 and 8 of 17. 24.6 rebounds, 4 assists. He's averaging near 18 points a game this season. He's just been awesome to watch. And if you watch Mississippi State like the past two years, it's just been that slow development for him. It was like, okay, he showed flashes his freshman season. He started last year and was pretty good. And this year it's just like he's a first-team All-SEC guy. Yeah, and then just the front court, too. The way they rebound the basketball, like, it's, they out-rebounded to tied by 10. And the 43 rebounds, it's a crazy number. 18 yeah. offensive boards. And They're 11th in the country in offensive rebound percentage, which is obviously really good. So, so they're a team that can just out-physical kill you. And, and they had a 20-point lead at one point against Colorado State and the Rams stormed back so they uh i'm really interested to see how mississippi state finishes the season because they kind of feel like to me a team that is just going to ho-hum through the regular season like if they pick up some quality wins they'll obviously pick up more buzz but if they just win the games they're supposed to pick up one or two road wins here that don't really pop on the national scene but look good on a resume they're going to end up with like an eight and eight or nine seed maybe and I think they might give a one seed some problems. That's a team I don't think you want to face. Ben Howland has that tournament experience. They have a good backcourt in Shaquille Moore and Iverson Molinar. They had an experienced front court with DJ Jeffries, Brooks, and Tolu Smith. Like the, I think the, I think the Bulldogs can do stuff in the postseason play. Remains to be seen. They have to get there first, but I think they're capable. Yeah, and the other game for Wednesday, the team that pissed the Bulldogs beat on Saturday, Alabama hosts LSU. Bama will be unranked, but I think this is still going to be a fun one. Bama needs this one bad. Like, bad, bad, bad. They're on a skid three in a row, including my Missouri Tigers. Uh, lost to Auburn, which they did a nice job of fighting back in that game, uh, and then lost to Mississippi State like we talked about. LSU is an interesting matchup for them. LSU's front court is going to be so much better than LSU's. But if LSU doesn't have Xavier Pinson, then Alabama's going to have the big backcourt advantage like they always do. So it's just going to be, as with most Alabama games, is the three ball dropping for the Crimson Tide? Because if it is, then LSU, I don't think, is going to be able to make up the difference in just pure volume of points that Alabama's going to put up. Yeah. Um, I think the tie is, is there again. We've been talking about this like a broken record, but their their resume is just. I kind of want to be a fly on the wall when the tournament committee discusses Alabama. You know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because it's they have one of the best wins in the country against Gonzaga, 
and then a bunch of results that kind of just make you shake your head. I think they'll beat LSU here. Um, this is a des- this is a desperate team, and then they have Missouri and Georgia. Like, we're, if they beat LSU, I think we're gonna look up in two weeks and see that they're ranked. Yeah, I don't think there's anything where they'll be in danger of being in the NCAA tournament. But yeah, I think the losses are definitely questionable. Uh, after this is insane. After they play LSU, they get the bottom feeders of the SEC with Missouri and Georgia. And then they have a three-game stretch where they host Baylor, go to Auburn, and then host Kentucky. Yeah. That's, that's their three game. That's, a, that's brutal. That is brutal. But I would like them to feature Keon Ellis in the offense more. Um, he did shoot 10 shots against Mississippi State. It wasn't great three for 10. But I feel like the way he can kind of stretch the four, shoot threes, he's, he's, I think he's the, one of the more higher-rated guys on the draft board compared to some of the other Bama guys. So – Shackleford has the ball in his hands for a lot. He didn't have a great game. He was one for nine from three. And we always talk about Alabama's kind of a do-or-die team from three. Uh, J.D. Davidson, the freshman, is a guy that probably could be featured a little bit more, too. And then Noah Gurley might be one of the more disappointing transfers. I thought he was going to be really good. Coming from the mid-major, mid-major ranks. Um, just hasn't found his footing with the tide. He thought it would be a really great fit, a big who can shoot the ball, average 14 points and 15 points at Bourbon the last couple of years, uh, made two to th- over two threes a game last season and hasn't really stuck with the tide so far. Yeah, it, their front court has just been underwhelming between Gurley and we talked about Charles Bediaco last week. He was actually pretty good against uh, – Mississippi State in his 21 minutes. He had 11 and six rebounds, but still just over the whole season, those uh, two, and along with Jawan Gary, who only played eight minutes the other day. Did he get hurt? I, I didn't I didn't watch that game. No, I don't think he got hurt. He's been playing. Oh, he played four. He got four fouls in eight minutes. That's brutal. Yeah. But, you know, just that whole front court, and even the Javon Quinterly has not been good enough either. Like, we had expectations for this team based off what they would they were last year and what they brought back and brought in. Quinterly shot 43% from beyond the arc last year on 120 attempts coming off the bench when he was SEC six man of the year. This year on 97 attempts, he's shooting 25%. That is just, uh, that's not going to be good enough for this Alabama team. Yeah. And the last game we'll talk about for now, we'll talk about the Aggies hosting Kentucky. Kentucky coming off that big win and they get a feisty Texas A&M team. That's one of the more quiet 15 and two teams in the entire country. They're quiet in 15 and two because they haven't beat anybody. Their non-conference schedule was so bad. Their best win in the non-conference was a neutral court win against Notre Dame. Uh, they only played three with top 100 teams in the non-con, but they have a nice win over Arkansas undefeated in the SEC. They haven't played anyone at the top of the league, but still you can only play who's put in front of you. And for Buzz Williams to have the Aggies 15 and two after the wasteland that College Station has been the past five years ish, I mean, it's just pretty impressive for them. Yeah. And then I think the pressure between, I think this is a pretty good matchup for Kentucky because Kentucky has really good guards and Buzz Williams loves to throw pressure at you, uh, make you work 80, 90% of the court. They really get in your offense. 
And with Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington, I think Kentucky might run away with this one. I think. I, I agree with that. Uh, with Texas A&M also just doesn't have a front court presence for Oscar Shibway. They have they have decent guards. I Tyrese Stafford, Marcus Williams, Quentin Jackson, and Andre Gordon. Those four buzz kind of rotates them in just like all the time. There are always fresh bodies coming in for one of them, and they're all pretty talented, pretty good players. But Henry Coleman's the biggest they've got down low. Six eight transfer from Duke had a really good start to SEC play, but he's not going to be a match. I don't think physically for Oscar Shibway. Yep. And with that, I think we're pretty much good. We have a couple games. Any other games you want to talk about, Nate? For Wednesday, let me take a look. Just toggling back and forth here on the Ken Palm site between years, teams, and the schedules coming up. Wednesday, uh, TCU needs another nice win at Oklahoma State. TCU beat Oklahoma on Saturday. Marquette goes to Villanova. I think Villanova is going to win that game, but it'll be interesting to see how Marquette looks after, like, with their four-game win streak going on. Wednesday's kind of light. Yeah, Thursday's pretty light. The only game we maybe mention is Stanford against Arizona. If Stanford Stanford? didn't, if Stanford didn't lose that game against Washington yesterday, they almost came back from 20, 20 down. Um, Another team who had three games in five days. This COVID schedule is uh, that's going to put a hurting on some teams. So they're really trying to make up those games on Tuesday too. So people are going to be playing yeah. a lot, and they just kind of ran out of juice there. They had a big win against USC, uh, against Washington State, and then Arizona was is going to be a huge one for the Cardinal. Um, I think they may be. When they're my favorite under the radar bubble team in the Pac-12, I think they can have, if they can get things going, like they have a potential to have like an Oregon State type season. Oh God! Like last year, where they just ran the table at the end, they're more talented than that team, and they have a lot of potential defensively. They rank 67th in efficiency right now, and with the length they have and the way they rebound the basketball. If it wasn't for – they just turned the ball over a lot. A lot. They turned the ball over them just about – they're ranked 341st in turnover percentage, which is pretty bad. So, um, watch out for the Cardinal. Yeah, I agree with that. They can beat Arizona. Arizona had a tough first half against Utah yesterday, but uh, they can win. And Anything else? I saw that. I think that's it. We recapped uh, – pretty good college basketball slate we'll we'll tr- we'll come back to preview a great saturday and just remember it's always march